The following podcast contains adult subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this interview episode of Thinking Outside the Long Box. Today on the show, we have Rebecca Metz. Uh, you may recognize her from Coop and Cammy if your kids watch a lot of the Disney Channel or the TV show Better Things. And some of you may also recognize her from Shameless, which is one of our favorite shows here in our house. Uh, Rebecca, how are you doing today? I am doing all right today. You know, it goes in waves. Right. I have a cocktail right now, so that makes things nice. I've been doing a lot of cooking. So, yeah, it's been a good day. Yeah. How are you? Uh, you know, honestly, today was a pretty good day. We had, we've had kittens that uh, one of our cats had a litter of kittens, and we've been slowly uh. kind of doling those out to the people that claimed them. So I got to see, like, other people than my family for a little bit, which was really uh -huh. nice. <laughs> and so. do a wonderful thing. That's, I mean, that's that's a great way to spend your day, giving kittens to people who want kittens. Right. I've never seen somebody be like, oh, man, I hate taking this kitten knife. No. Before. Like, everybody's <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> my best friend on the East Coast just adopted a kitten, and so she has been, and she's only ever been a dog person so for the last two days. She's just been, it's been like a constant stream of text going like, the kitten is chewing on the blanket. Is it going to die? How many times do I need to feed the kitten? Like she's, she's, so, she's in like cat 101. One of our friends picked up her kitten last night and I've been feeding them like at seven in the morning and then like at five at night. And so they kind mm -hmm. of have like a feeding schedule and she panic text my wife this morning just the cat hasn't eaten yet today. Is he going to be all right? She's like, yeah, he ate like right <laughs> before you picked him up. And he's not used to eating for like another hour. So he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, Fair? So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say there, there, I think for people who don't understand how low maintenance cats can be, um, it's confusing and it can be stressful. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> staring at this cat and thinking there must be more to it. And then and then you're just like, no, he's just going to sit there and ignore you when he wants yeah. to. When you want him to love on you, he will ignore you. Correct. And as soon as yeah. you want him to leave you alone, he will not. So <laughs> Exactly, exactly. They're She'll figure it out. I should, tell her, I should tell her to try to read a book and then the cat will get very active. Or get on our get on the laptop is us. The cat as soon as yes, you get on the laptop, yes. the cat's like, "What's this? I must stand on it." <laughs> yeah, looks comfortable. Oh uh, well, so tell me a little bit about um, better things because I know it's probably more in line with the kind of uh, show that our audience would really watch because most of the people that listen to our show only watch. Disney Channel when our kids make us listen, to, watch it. So, yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Better Things. Fair enough. Um, Better Things is uh, season four just finished airing on FX and all seasons available on Hulu. Um, it is the brainchild of an actress named Pamela Adlon, who, uh, if you don't know who I'm talking about when I say her name, you will almost certainly recognize her when you see her. She's been 
in everything and around for a long time. And she has her own show on Hulu that's, or on FX. Oh my God. That's now in season four. And um, it is semi-autobiographical. So she plays a working actress and single mom of three daughters with a British mother who lives next door, all of which is true. Um, and I play Tressa, her former manager and a friend. She has sort of a, a, a tight circle of friends who are the village that help raise the kids and are always at the house and always doing things together. And it's, um, it's hard to describe because it's really, it's, it, there's never been another show that I've seen that kind of feels like it. It's um, very m- much through a female lens and about women, but not in a way that only women enjoy it. Men, I get men telling me all the time, like, I'm not in your target demographic, but I love the show. And I just sort of say, I think the target demographic is people. So I think you're fine. Um, it's, it's really special. And it's, it's, it isn't, strictly a comedy, a lot like Shameless. It isn't a comedy all the time. It isn't serious all the time. It, it really sort of creates its own universe and um, people should watch it. Do oh boy, you... there's a cat yelling. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> this is okay, one good. of those moments. I have, I yeah, have scared okay, dogs right now because there's a thunderstorm. So. <laughs> oh. so you seem to have like this sweet spot of characters that are like very authentic, like human beings, you know, sometimes (laughs) you get, you get actors that, you know, they go out there and, you know, like my go-to example of this is Tom Cruise is never a character. He's Tom Cruise with a different name, but you seem to like really gel and fill in like those roles that you play in a sense that makes you think like that's, probably just a person you know whether it's just you or Mm -hmm. like you know a person that that you're familiar with you seem to like inhabit a character a little more can you tell me about how you kind of find yourself working in those roles that first of all thank you that uh makes me very happy to hear that's a lovely compliment compliment because i um i want my characters to feel like real people um i think that's just sort of my my taste that's the kind of story and the kind of writing that I gravitate towards. So I'm glad that that's something I uh, am capable of doing. I guess it's kind of, it's just what I've always been interested in. Like um, I've been acting for a long time. I went to, you know, acting school and classical theater training. And um, that's the place where you kind of find one of the things you're doing there is figuring out what you do well. And, um, and I've never been, great at artifice like at the highly stylized forms and and styles i can do them but i'm much happier and much more interested in exploring like what people are really like and the mess the mess of real human relationships and what happens you know when we drop the artifice or or get through the artifice and and real stuff starts happening so i think i just sort of whenever i get a role that's what i naturally look look for in the writing and in any opportunity to kind of bring that out and I think as I've worked that ends up being what I get hired to do because it's it's what I'm interested in and what I what I think I do well and you know no one's hiring me for a Tom Cruise movie they have other people who can (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not going to jump out of planes but I will sit there in an uncomfortable silence with you and um and inhabit it so I think it's just 
a merging of my my sensibility and finding people who who want that in their projects, if that makes sense. I am definitely also not about jumping out of planes and way more about <laughs> uncomfortable silence. So yeah, I get, I get yeah. what you're saying. When you know you have these roles that you know are are serious while being funny and like are this very much so like real life, you know, real people kind of feel. How do you like transition from doing, you know, that kind of serious work into being on, you know, I mean, a sitcom like a, for that's for kind mm-hmm. of like that tween, like how do you like transition headspaces to do the different jobs? Yeah, it takes a little, it does take a little bit of sort of conscious transition transitioning because the, the world and the tones are very different. Um, Kuban Kami feels a lot like theater. You know, any sitcom, you're on a proscenium, meaning all the cameras are on one plane, so it's very presentational. A lot of those old theater instincts kick in. And the nice thing is that the writing does 90% of the work for you because it's not like I could go to super dark places in Kuban Kami because there. <laughs> There aren't so many of those places to go. We deal a little bit with, we find out in the pilot, the dad passed away a couple of years ago and we, we do get into that a little bit, but, um, but if you just follow the writing's lead, you will end up kind of in the right place tonally. And a lot of it is with a sitcom with that kind of writing, it's timing, you know, it's kind of almost classic vaudevillian timing and there's a real, pleasure in getting that you can really feel when you hit a joke right and um and that's a different kind of acting that i'd love to do it's it's i'm I'm really lucky that i kind of get to be on two shows that are so different but they are both in in sort of sweet spots that i really like to play around in that's awesome like it's 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 always interesting to me when you know i i talked to a guy uh last or either last week or earlier this week. I don't really know what day it is anymore. So that's yeah, who does? Yeah, it's yeah. completely fucked. Like completely. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I was to, I was talking to this guy, and he's I mean he's in his late teens. He's on Fuller House. You know, he hit this big sitcom, and like you know, it, it kind of jetted him up from you know not yeah. doing much to being in this big thing. I was like, you know, what do you want to do next? He's like something else like I want to do something dramatic I want to do something <laughs> scary you know and it was cool because the more and more I talk to actors and the more I realize because you know from the outside looking in we don't always see that it's a craft like you know you went to school mm-hmm. for this you developed this it's, yeah. a, it's a skill that you've made and to see that longing for people to like do something that they've trained their whole lives to do is really fascinating like how how is how has your schooling and like just all the training and years of work like how do you feel it molds you to be a better actor i mean i think part of the value of of the kind of intense training that i did is that you you learn that's where you learn who you are as an actor that's a time when you have four solid years of being in a place where it's safe to fail which once you're out in the professional world, it really isn't. You can't, you know, just go around screwing up all the time. There are going to be consequences. And that's really what school is for, is to try something that's way outside of what you usually do and either discover, okay, that's really not something that I do well, or 
that's something I didn't know I do well or something I'd like to learn how to do well. Like it just gives you kind of a playground where you can really push yourself and find out what you're capable of and find out sort of both what you do. Like, I, I can't say this for everyone, but I suspect it's mostly true for people who've gone through that kind of training. You're still good at the things you were good at when you got there, but you expanded your repertoire a little bit and you have become good at other things. And there are things that you're not naturally good at that you now can fake your way through pretty competently. And it just, Holly Hunter came to talk to us while I was at school and she, she went to the same program that I went to the Carnegie Mellon and she, someone asked her, you know, what did, what did your training do for you? And she said, any room I walk into, I feel entitled to be there. Like I've worked hard enough to get good at this that I never feel out of my depth. I think we all as actors still sometimes feel out of our depth when you're working with someone you really admire or something like that. But it does give you, a sense that you've paid your dues and if you bump up against something that you're struggling with, you have sort of a bag of tools that you can go to to help you deliver what you need to deliver. That's that's pretty amazing. Like it's 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 interesting to hear like that, you know, I, I'll be able to make it if I just don't know how to do this crazy thing. <laughs> what what's yeah. what's something that like you, <laughs> you were presented with you got done with it and you're like, nope, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did an episode of American Horror Story in the asylum season where I was brutally murdered by Dylan McDermott. Um, they ended up cutting the scene where I was brutally murdered because of reasons but <laughs> that had nothing to do with me. But when we were shooting it, I was in my bra and underwear strapped to a metal table in a room full of meat hooks and plastic sheeting cuffed to a metal table about to be skinned alive. And the scene was that I was like screaming bloody murder, begging for my life start to finish. And I mean, we shot it for six hours. Mm. It was a long, long, brutal day. And if you have to be at that level of emotion for that long, you, you whatever the first thing is that helps you get there stops working like two hours in. And then you have to figure out other ways to, to get that emotional result um, for the rest of the day of shooting. And it's, it's exhausting, you know, to be, I mean, anyone who's ever gone through something emotional will, will know it's really tiring and to have to do it, you know, as, to deliver it sort of as a product, as a result for six solid hours, like, you know, extreme terror of imminent violent death. Um, it, you need, you need a few different ways to get there, or you're going to end up with a whole crew just staring at you sort of going, come on, like, where is it? <laughs> you know, you just go, ah, I don't have it. You guys. So, like, haven't I been know, murdered was, enough? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, I was, that's sort of what comes to me as the day that I was like, thank God I took classes and know, you know, 17 different techniques and teachers who came up with things that I can use to Ugh. get through this. And to my husband's credit, who was sitting next to me, who made the cocktail that I was drinking, that I'm drinking, I came home that day to, a dozen roses on the counter and a, a nice bottle of scotch. And he took really good care of me because I needed a few days to recover after uh, I shot that. That sounds miserable. Like I, <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah. 
I mean, what's crazy, I, I love horror movies. Like, I watch tons and tons and tons of them, but I would definitely not put myself through that. <laughs> like, Yeah, after that, I was like, you know something? I don't think I'm a horror person. I'm sure there's some horror project that I'd be happy to be a part of, but but generally it's not a genre I'm going to pursue. Right. Huh. That sounds, that sounds <laughs> truly miserable. Uh, yeah. On, so a lighter note, when, when you're, when you're doing like, you know, when you're in your sweet spot, you're doing the, the role that you want, you know, you're, you're playing the, the, the characters that you love, you know, you're in that kind of like element. Mm-hmm. Do you do you find yourself just like being lost sometimes like in what you're doing? Does it, you know, obviously six hours of like terror has to be exhausting. <laughs> but are there days when yeah. you get done on better things and you're like, holy shit, it's already the end of the day. Like what happened? Like, do you? Absolutely. Do you, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's two different kind of things that happen. I feel like there's there's a thing that, that artists and creative people talk about, which is the state of flow where you really um, your conscious mind kind of turns off and you really just kind of plugged into some kind I'm going to sound like a, a crazy person, but some other force takes over and it's like when you're done, you wake up and it's like you weren't even there. That has only happened to me a few times and there's really no rhyme or reason to when it happens. But But beyond that, like on better things, especially when we have big group scenes where kind of the whole circle of friends is together, we, we end up just really having a party. You know, we end up just really having a good time together. And sometimes we're saying the lines in the script and sometimes we're just hanging out together. And so by the end of the day, you do, you know, they, they, they wrap the day of shooting and you go, my God, did I just work? Was that a day of work? We're all going to go hang out together. Like it's really the writing is so good and everyone is so well cast and, and that set works so well that you just feel like you've had a great time with a bunch of crazy talented people doing what you all love doing. And you know, it's that thing they say, that if you do what you love for a living and you'll never work a day in your life. That's not totally true, right. but, <laughs> but um, we do have days like that for sure. So with better things being, you know, uh, conceived of and like helmed by and starring, you know, women and having this strong women's voice, like, is it different working on a set and a show like that than it is, Mm -hmm. you know, working on something where that voice, you know, maybe isn't as present or isn't even acknowledged a lot of the time? Yeah, it is different, but I think maybe not in sort of the most obvious ways, not in the ways that I expected. Like it's, the the functioning of the set isn't any different. Everybody who's there is there because they're great at their job. It's just that a much higher percentage of them happen to be women on this show because Sam has made that a priority. And it's, it's something I never really thought about because sets are, have always been so male dominated that you just kind of get used to as an actor looking out and seeing a sea of men. And there are certain departments where, you know, you see higher numbers of women wardrobe and makeup and and things like that but it, it really does make a difference to me to be on a set where you look out and there are women behind the camera there are women in the sound department putting the mic up your shirt there are women um grips and an electric and 
everywhere. It just it just makes you sort of question the status quo that you've you've gotten used to. And honestly, a lot of the men in the cast have said to me that it feels different. I think it is the energy a little bit different. You know, it's it's just a more balanced, less of a boys' club energy, which is really nice. It's a nice nice way to go to work. It's it's interesting because obviously I'm not a woman, so I haven't experienced that. You know, <laughs> um, you know, being mixed race like was really weird growing up because like Mexican kids thought yeah. I was too white, and white kids thought I was like way too Mexican. So, you know, so I have yeah. a little bit of that, but I think like the experience that I, I most connect with is in these kind of things is for me going to comic book conventions, because when I grew up being mm-hmm. a nerd was like a horrible, horrible thing. And you got made fun of and, mm-hmm. down on. and now I go to these, well, not right now, but you know, I would yeah. go to shows with thousands of other people that like the same things that I like. And you know, it, it's such a familial and like comfortable feeling. It must be nice for that to be your job. It is. And I think, I think, you know, obviously there are also men who are not super comfortable in a very like bro-y environment. And one of the things that happens when you're on uh, a set or in any kind of workplace that's so dominated by one gender is the few women who are there, it feels like there's only one way to be feminine. And one of the nice things about being in a place where there's, a lot more women is that like, I'm a pretty tomboyish girl. I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit around and talk about makeup and I don't wear a lot of dresses and just, I've always felt a little bit outside of girliness because of that. And when you're in an environment where there's a lot of, a lot of women, you see that there are a lot of different ways to be a woman and it, it's fine. You don't have to feel like you have to conform to one way of doing it because you're one of only three on set, if that makes sense. And I, so it's, it, 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 there really is that experience of like, when you're around your people, you're more free to be yourself because there's enough of you that you can show that there's lots of different ways to do it. And you don't have to be locked into kind of one, that's one way of showing what that means. It's, it's really, it's observant in a way that is like remolding how I think about my interactions with certain situations <laughs> because that's 100% true. Like there's so many different ways to be like the kind of person that I am and in the different situations mm-hmm. that I am. And I feel the most comfortable when I don't have to like go on some kind of rail and be a certain way. Like, you know, I can right. just be myself. And that's, that's, I mean, that's gotta be an awesome thing to find. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, as, it as really is. As we're wrapping up, I, I've been asking, you know, actors and people that I've talked to, you know, about if they have things coming up, because I know so much is like shut down right now that people aren't, yeah. you know, really promoting anything for the future. They're mostly promoting stuff that's out now or, you know, that just happened. Mm-hmm. But is there anything right now that uh, we can look forward to you being in? Um, well, there's more Coop and Cammy season two coming to Disney Channel. And um, if people tune in and watch better things, we will hopefully get another season of that. I'm waiting here about another season of both better things and Coop and Cammy. And those, you know, those decisions are not working the way they usually do right now for obvious reasons. And so right. I'm 
I'm I'm sort of banking on people wanting to see familiar faces, familiar characters, and and wanting a return to stories that they're used to as as part of like a feeling of some kind of normalcy. So I'm crossing my fingers that I get to go back to work on those shows right. sooner than later. You know, and the example that I've given with like the last two actors that I've talked to is we recently talked to Ed Begley Jr., who is like, oh, wow. you know, huge name, 50 years in acting, you know, all these, you know, credits yeah. to his name. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, something, yeah. will come, something will come up eventually, but nothing's happening right now. So you are mm-hmm. you are definitely not alone. <laughs> it's uh, a weird time. It's, it, yeah, it, I had it, I had someone call. I had uh, my agent was like, Hey, this show wants to know if you're available to potentially work on it. They don't know when they're shooting or where they're shooting, but they want to know if you can do it. And I was like, well, I mean, sure. I don't know how to answer that question. So there's a lot of that going around. You're like, I don't know when I'll be available or how, but I guess. (laughs) Sure. In a, in a perfect world, I will be available for their mystery time and location. Sure. (laughs) Tell them yes. Oh man. Well, how until things become at least somewhat normal, how can our uh, followers find you and keep track of what you're doing? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Rebecca Metz. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for your time today. Like I like I said, Shameless is like a huge show in our house. So as soon as I told my wife who I was talking to today, she absolutely geeked out. I was like, Yeah, I know. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but she awesome. she. She wanted me to express to you how much she loves you. And I think I'm going to have to get on better things because I, I, I definitely am a sucker for that kind of show. Like, that's very. I really, you know, I, I really, I recommend it whether I'm on it or not. It's nice. really wonderful. And I, people should check it out. Oh, I know that I know that uh, the the main character is like one of my favorite actresses from the Louis show. And also she was the voice of Bobby Hill. So I've watched yep. freaking thousands of hours of her performances. So <laughs> even yeah. though she was a tubby little boy in most of them. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll love it. That yeah. fear is still inside her. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much for your time. I can't wait to to dig more into better things. And I'm probably going to make my eight year old watch more Coop and Cammy. Cause I know she likes it. Now I've talked to somebody on it, so I might as well support it. So, well, I hope it isn't torture for you. <laughs> oh no, I, I go read or something while she's yeah, watching fair enough, the kids fair shows. It's nothing. It's nothing against them. I just, I realized that all of the tropes that we learn for every kind of pop culture all comes from children's shows. And it's done to like it's the lowest true. common denominator i'm like oh i know where this is going already <laughs> yeah yeah oh, man. That's okay i understand <laughs> well thank you so much rebecca we really appreciate your time it was a real pleasure talking with you Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thinking Outside the Long Walks podcast. Join us on Facebook and Twitter to get behind-the-scenes information for exclusive content and to be notified when new episodes are available. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of the Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast, Baron Space Productions, its partners, or affiliates. 
The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is made available by its creators, Juan, John, and Gabe. The podcast is edited and produced by Juan, and Albie is the co-executive producer. The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is a Barren Space production.